Okay, so let's read the passage. Um, and uh, if you recall, last week I uh, ended up talking a lot and not getting to hear from you guys. So today, hopefully, I can overcompensate and uh, just be uh, more of a facilitator and and get your perspectives on some some good stuff here. I think some personal stuff, um, something related to both Christian life and um, life in general. So. I could get some volunteers to uh, read a few verses or the whole thing for us. That'd be great. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Amen. Um, so chapter four, right? It began with that uh, phrase uh, that we find in 16, therefore we do not lose heart. Right? Um, and uh, Paul talked about the pressures and the, persecution and the difficulty of of serving God uh, as called um, and we talked a lot of things but one of the things if you recall at the end of the study was kind of uh, different states of inside outside right so you could be good or bad inside correspondingly you know good or bad on the outside so four different possibilities we I thought we had we I try to make, I try to have us, mm, tried to lead us into a little bit of fun thinking about that. Uh, <clears throat> but as he concludes chapter four, he goes back to this idea of not losing heart. Okay. Um, so let's start with that. 
let's uh, kind of think through this a little bit. Like you, you guys uh, on the call and on, on the, um, the Zoom are all kind of mature Christians, leaders, or leader types. Um, yeah, how would you, um, how, how do you react or interact with what Paul, that statement, therefore we do not lose heart. Uh, is that something that, you know, you struggle with? Is that something that, uh, you know, maybe you, you feel the opposite, that you are losing heart? And, or, you know, is there a, a typical, um, like, trigger or cause? What makes you lose heart? Or what, on the other hand, what in heart, what um, encourages you? What, um, strengthens your heart um yeah so it could be a reaction or if you want to be a little bit more uh kind of anecdotal uh either general yeah generally anecdotal yeah let, let, let's let's think about our own paths our own journey our own kind of reactions a little bit. I think for me, um, what makes me lose heart or has made me lose heart is if I prayed for something or somebody for a very, very long time and there's no change. Um, yeah, or or the change is actually for the worse. And uh, sometimes I, you know, the conversations I have with God is, I know that, you know, free will and, and that was a great compliment you gave us, but sometimes I wish we had less free will. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. How, how do you, you ever get off like pick yourself up from that and and uh in that situation where it doesn't improve or it doesn't get answered how do you how do you recover yeah so um actually that that uh, thing about free will um you know every god gave each of us a free will and uh we this is how I recover. This is my logic is that, you know, we have all the opportunities we have on this earth to make those choices that will either draw us closer to God or for push us further away. And no matter how much I may want or think that this is the best possible, you know, choice for that particular person, or um, I can't make that choice for them. And I've just got to entrust them to God and uh, we'll see each other in heaven. That's how I pick myself up. I don't know how, you know, that, but that is how I pick myself up. That it will all be right in heaven. And I, I trust that. I think there's something Pauline there because <laughs> Paul is certainly, he, he is banking on heaven big time, right? In this passage, good. Other, other, other uh, con contributors. 
I think for me, um, I, uh, I, I guess like verse 18 sort of maybe helps me to understand um, myself. I, th I think the moments where I tend to lose heart is, um, I think I get a little scrambled. So I become very much focused on what is seen and I'm convinced that what is seen as eternal, as it's not temporary. And I, you know, lose sight of what's, um, you know, what is unseen and, and what is eternal and what is lasting. So, you know, any sort of given situation, I think when it happens, it feels like, I, I, I think it doesn't occur to me that it's not, that it's not going to last forever, but it feels like it's going to last forever. And I don't know, I mean, I see, like, see that with my kids, well, they're sitting right over there, but like, you know, James might like get into a little scrape. And sometimes like this, the only thing I can tell him is like, I mean, we can like pretend to blow on it or something like that. But really, I'm just saying like, I know it hurts, but the pain is temporary. It's going to get better. That's like the best reassurance that I can give him. It doesn't really help. But um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think though sort of in my own grown-up life, though, I think I get that sort of mixed up. not awesome that you get mixed up but the fact that you can kind of identify that and even you know kind of talk yourself into what you need to do or the perspective you need to acquire mm -hmm. uh, i mean i think a little similar to what josephine shared sometimes um what disheartens me is um I think it's more that I experienced it back like at um, NYU college ministry, but like there would be like somebody that I'm reaching out to and they're like making progress. It seems like they're making progress. It seems like they're opening up to God and then something happens and it's like they just turn away like they were, you know, willing to you know, pray to God and, and then, you know, seek God up, then something just happened and they found a solution in like a, a worldly manner. And it was like, oh, well, I guess I didn't need to, you know, look to God to fix my problem. And it, it's like disheartening because like at the time they were really like, it felt pretty genuine that they were like, oh, you know, God's going to be the one to help me through. Like, you're right. You know, I should look to God. And then and all of a sudden, like their problems fixed through like a different manner. And it's like disheartening because like all of a sudden it's gone. Like that, that like, um, you know, genuine desire to find God is like, no, well, no. So, you know, that's like pretty disheartening. Yeah. Uh, and those are that's a great observation. Um, how do you recover, Matt? Or I mean, I still talk to that guy and I, I still, you know, try to share with him, but, you know, I guess it's more of a, you know, you can only pray for them when they don't want to, you know, respond how you'd hope and, you know, just continue to have that relationship with them so that if something actually comes up, you can you know, share about God with them again, or like how God has helped me through like overcoming those kind of issues. So 
I think it's just not giving up is, is how to recover from that. Mm, good, yeah. So I think all the examples um, so far have kind of pointed out kind of like a, a disappointment or kind of um, a situation that doesn't, we don't, that, that we don't like or is inferior, right? Um, and it kind of drains us of our excitement or joy or yeah, our, our effectiveness. And, and the recovery seems related to seeing beyond what is immediately visible or you know what a person is saying, like in Matt's case, um, not accepting that the current untenable or undesirable situation is going to be the final outcome. It's going to be like this, you know, permanently or eternally, right? So I think it's like I told Josephine, but all of you guys that, that shared, I think it, re it really is a Pauline uh, kind of approach, right? I think Paul is saying just that. Um, his own kind of travails and adversities and disappointments and, and even like rejections, personal rejections are, you know, keenly felt. They are burdening him. They are disheartening him. And, you know, for every person, every normal person, that, rea that reaction or that, you know, uh, discouragement is natural but it doesn't uh, dominate him it doesn't govern him it doesn't defeat him right he sees beyond the local immediate even if it looks um, like almost impossible to change or you know you know, you, you don't have any like human hope um, that it can change, right? Paul is, I think, modeling the practice of having faith that it will change. Um, so, you know, like I was thinking about in Joe's example, especially the visibility and the invisibility, right? Um, even though we conclude that God's not answering our prayer, invisibly he might be, right? Or in our temporal, in the, in the short term, we've, or maybe over many, many years, we think, wow, zero progress. But who knows? Um, that might be the way in which, you know, God brings them to, uh, where where we want them to be it just it just it's a very circuitous or, or or long roundabout way same with matt right maybe he need that person needs to get thoroughly disappointed and 
um, they will finally and then permanently, hopefully, be a land on, on uh, trust relationship with God. So, uh, you know, verse seven of chapter five is it's a little, I don't know, sometimes I think it's a little hackneyed. People always cite this, but I think here Paul really means it when he says, We live by faith, not by sight. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, it's easy to kind of like always, you know, put something in the future or hope for the best, um, you know, persevere, keep at it. Uh, and, and like, but there's more uh, teeth, there, there's more, more at stake here, I feel that Paul is um, trying to to teach or, or, or convey that his faith is very active. Uh, he's not citing some, some, some theory, some, um, some kind of like, uh, of like um, pop spirituality or, or uh, just to kind of um, keep, keep himself and others going. No, uh, he really, um, this underscores and um, this, it really drives uh, what he, how he conducts himself, how he really gets out of spiritual doldrums or um, an overwhelming desire to quit is he lives by faith, not by sight. In other words, uh, he, the reality of heaven, the reality of the future uh, glory, the reality of the spirit, invisible spiritual realm being of greater substance and of greater power and of, of, of greater import and greater um, um, impact than anything that he sees in front of him now, that's um, uh, a truth uh, to him, right? It's not uh, something that he just kind of uh, says in order to um, you know just keep going um, this is a an active principle right uh, in his life so I, i'm wondering how he does that right um, how does he maintain that again we might um, affirm or we might share in that perspective but at least in my life it's not so vibrant it's not so um, it doesn't kick into operation soon enough or it doesn't last as long or I don't know how to make it work for me as much as you know, Paul does, right? So maybe that's our next kind of topic that we can kind of, or theme that we can look at, right? If indeed a heavenly perspective, an eternal viewpoint, living by faith, not by sight, um, if that is like the key to not losing heart, at least in this particular passage and the things that people have shared, what can we say uh, from either the text or from your personal experience? How do we make our faith in 
a heavenly, a glorious heavenly future, that much more uh, vi vibrant, um, that much more kind of tangible and, and, and real, right, for us, so that it's more than just a biblical uh, point, but it's uh, an active living principle in our lives. You share your thoughts if you have any. I think like, um, you know, uh, I guess what it makes me wonder about is like in verse 16, where does he, where does he get that like inner renewal? Like how is he like inwardly renewed um, day by day? Because uh, I feel like, I feel like I'm trying to just, you know, work this out even just for myself at this point in my Christian life, like, how do I experience that um, inner renewal? And I, I think that when, when that is not um, in happening on a consistent basis, then, then it definitely, you know, get uh, beat up and like beat down and feel, you know, losing hard and running on empty and all those kinds of things. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I have like a great answer. I don't know what others, you know, have, how others have thought about it or approached it. But I, I mean, the only thing that I've come to is just that it has to be some kind of I don't know, some kind of experience of God that's, um, that feels more real or concrete than, um, you know, and, and, and less abstract, I guess. Uh, and I, I don't know, is this, I, I feel like he, maybe that's sort of what Paul is getting at when the chapter five, that there's this sort of longing to be with God and maybe that like, you know, it, we only sort of glimpse it from time to time in this side of eternity that we get that glimpse of God's glory and, and it kind of gives us that sort of fuel to, to go on, but it's not like what it will be like when, you know, in the new heavens and new earth. But anyway, so there's just my thoughts. I came up with a kind of an extreme example. Um, I was thinking about this earlier this morning as well, um, like how to find renewal. And then I thought about when I was on a mission trip and how, you know, we're fully dedicated to God at that moment. And we're, you know, all moving in unison towards God's will. And, and how does that work, right? It's that all of the distractions have been removed from our lives the the responsibilities or, or idols or, or whatever you want to call them that take us away from worshiping God and and fulfilling his purpose you know have kind of fallen away and so how do how do I maintain that in the now right and I think at one point I was like well I'm always on mission right you know I tried to maintain that mindset for a while um but it's hard, right? Because 
reality settles back in, you know, we get busy, I get busy, things, projects, deadlines, all of those crazy things happen, pandemic. Um, but, you know, artificially, I can do that again by like, you know, removing any of the distractions that I have created myself, right? Whether it be like Netflix or the video game that I'm recently playing on my phone, right? So, you know, dedicating time to prayer, setting aside again, you know, DT time, all of that. And I feel like, you know, we do that every year as well, right? New Year's resolutions, key verses. Um, and I feel like that has been super helpful for me recently. Uh, we can't hear you. Sorry, you said it was an extreme example, Steph? Um, because it's something that is like a mission trip kind of context. Is that what you meant? Right. Because for, for someone like me, who's a lay person who isn't actually doing this every single day as my vocation, um, it almost seems like the add on sometimes, even though I should be doing it every single day of my life, but, uh, a mission trip, you know, it's the total inverse, right. Where you know, I'm on vacation from my daily life, but really we're on mission trip and, you know, it's easier to see what that purpose is for God. Thank you. Um, I was thinking about verse, uh, the latter part of verse seven, right? Um, and uh, would rather prefer to be away from the body and a home with the Lord. And I was thinking, it, you know, it, it's easy kind of for me to think that uh, being at home with the Lord, just theoretically, that sounds great, right? Heaven, paradise, and whatnot. But uh, unless, like, I have a regular experience of, like, a taste of what that is like, you know, I have to be honest, I, I won't have that longing that, you know, I, I do something, right, or I experience something from God that really shows me that God is good, right, you know, or he speaks to me about something about myself, my life, or, you know, he answers a very special prayer, or, you know, something that makes me long and yearn for his presence, right, and, and it's not by sight because you know it's just it's veiled right you know i'm experiencing god through a veil but um um how should i say it just um and then to be kind of acutely aware that there's the limitation of you know not being able to hear god whenever i want you know not being able to you know hear what he's leading, how he's speaking, you know, I want then. But, you know, that's contrasted with those times when it's clear. And, uh, and um, so that's how I feel like it's, sorry, I meant verse eight, yeah. Um, like Paul is saying this, you know, just, from his experience that he's experienced, you know, the goodness of God, you know, of course there's obstacles on the way and so forth, 
but it's those experience of God's goodness that makes him long for that even more. And so hence, you know, it's a faith that is not just faith. I mean, yeah, it's faith, but it's faith kind of built on an ex, uh, kind of more and more experience of, you know, his character and how, you know, he's come through in different ways. And so, yeah, that's how I you know, see that verse for myself. Yeah, I, th I think my thoughts were tending trending towards that verse as well. Uh, any others? Any other um, perspectives or, or kind of thoughts that how do we keep our uh, living by faith, not by sight, uh, robust and healthy? For me, I think these days I've been um, thinking a lot about heaven. Um, just like, just, just thinking like, what is heaven going to be like? And, um, um, you know, some, some of you guys know, I, I love the, the imagery of the great banquet hall at heaven. And, but, you know, just like, what, what is he heaven going to, it's going to go, you have all this time, right? Time is not even like a, it's no longer linear, right? It's, it's, you have all this, it's eternal, right? So what are you going to do with all the time, right? And, and um, I think my conclusion is um, when I'm thinking about heaven is, it's just going to be a, a long time spending before God and listening to, listening to what, has to say and all the stories and I, I don't know I, I find that very um, exciting um, to to be amongst uh, not only to be amongst God but to be amongst God but to be amongst everybody who loves God and for me um, and and there's no more there's no more sin so um, everybody's there just for that fellowship and communion with God. And when I, uh, when that is very concrete in my head, this earthly um, existence is very, temp becomes very temporal. And, uh, you know, um, Steph was mentioning like in a daily, the daily grind and all the, the deadlines and the projects. And um, I mean, I, I have to do them, but, it's not the most important thing. And, um, and what we mentioned about like, um, uh, yeah, any of the things that dishearten us, that's again, that's gonna be temporary. And that, um, that really helps, that helps me in the faith department, not the sight department, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but the, I've been thinking about heaven a lot these days, yeah. What exactly do I want to do? And how do I bring it to, how do I bring it on earth? How do I bring some of that on earth? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I think that actually is a, kind of a, a very kind of practical way to 
get us having the the faith perspective or the future perspective is to reflect i mean there's a lot of speculation on what heaven's going to be like but um you know what we know that heaven is you know where god god's reign and his lordship is unfettered and and undiminished and unveiled right so um to the extent that um we can fill our lives with the fullness of God or, or our minds with, uh, you know, aspiring to that kind of experience and relationship. I think that's, that's helpful. That is one of the avenues of, of what Paul is trying to um, encourage us to do. Anyone else want to offer thoughts on, on how we can, uh, really uh i guess activate is another thought activate our faith faith in what's god will do as he has been doing as opposed to being anchored or locked down or even beaten down by what we see around us and maybe in us I think um, for, as I would describe it in, in my journey, picking up bits and pieces from a lot of what you guys said, um, I think what helps me is um, I would maybe organize it in, in two ways. One is by trying to have the right perspective on life on this earth, um, meaning a, a worldly life, uh, the life that the world uh, kind of values and uh, tries to inculcate in us. And it, it, that, that this, this world's experience and success and accomplishments and satisfactions that that somehow is uh, going to lead me to you know, joy and uh, encouragement and heart. Um, in other words, it really helps when I can see the world um, in its uh, as clear as possible. Uh, I'm not saying that there's nothing good in the world or that it's all evil and, and you know, isolate myself and stuff like that, but kind of like what Matt pointed out that the world is not my solution. Uh, it doesn't have the answers. And that um, if I trust it, or if I uh, give myself to it, um, there will be consequences, there will be disappointments and, um, and, um, you know, uh, it, it will uh, it will abandon me right in critical moments um, and I think uh, that's a constant uh, a subtle but constant um, temptation or struggle that that we can have because uh, the world is usually more comfortable it's easier it's uh, 
uh, more enjoyable, it's funner. Um, and and at, in this stage of my life and in this time of world history with all the inconvenience and pain that, that COVID is exacting, um, I don't know, I find that the worldly uh, kind of either lifestyle or perspective or it just seems more palatable than the challenging, hard-nosed, ascetic, self-denying Christian life. Um, so to see the world in its uh, deceptiveness, to see the world in its, um, uh, to doubt its ability to um, bring about a sense of meaning and purpose and joy uh, in my life, glory, to, to kind of um, see that the world's glory is a flash as opposed to you know, that, that it's uh, evanescent uh, than anything. Um, that helps me, right? When, when I don't pursue worldly pleasure or comfort or honor as much, I think it um, bolsters my faith, right? Because if I don't pursue that, if I'm not putting all my eggs in that in the world that world's basket, it really, you know, makes me turn right to God um, more and more, just because I don't want to get disappointed again, or I've learned my lesson. I think you have, you guys know what I'm saying. So, what I see here, Paul <clears throat> saying is that he really uh, the the life that he lives in this world teaches him that the world is not his savior or the solution or his God, right? So especially I was looking at verse two, meanwhile, we groan, right? Um, longing to be clothed with our eternal dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be naked. So the, the sense of entropy, the sense of, of uh, discontent, um, uh, you know, shame, humiliation, misery, you know, in my more um, clear-headed moments, I, I really do think the world, um, that's all that, that, that's the kind of the reward that it'll give me. I mean, it'll try to uh, attract me and allure me and tempt me, but in the end, um, that's where we end up. That's the uh, that's the destiny of a life without God. That's the world in living without God. So I try to think through that. I try not to be too impressed with um, the world's rewards or. Um, it's its way of kind of gratification. So that's one category. The other categories, a lot of you guys are talking about that. Really experiencing God, getting a glimpse, getting a taste, uh, you know, like pushing towards um, the, um, the blessings that come from, you know, knowing God. So, you know, Paul says it, um, 
here in uh, verse nine, right? So we make it our goal to please him, right? So this idea of living in God's presence and his pleasure uh, to draw near to him, to have conversations and experiences that are so personal, that are so, uh, it doesn't even have to be like, to me, like otherworldly or supernatural or miraculous. I mean, if they are great, but just very intimate, like only me and God. I, I, I try to build up that kind of that repertoire. And um, I don't really like talking about it either. Not that I have a lot to share, but, you know, because that takes away from, you know, my special time, right, where God came through. I mean, I, we're supposed to give testimony. I don't, I, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't, but there are just some things that about, you know, walking with God that I want to just keep between me and him. And for example, so I think the, the, the more I get to know him, the, um, the, the, the closer, what is it, the higher up and the further in that I can get to God's relationship with God. I think the more that I, you know, fan that into flame and, and kindle that, um, would, uh, is really the fuel for having this kind of living by faith, not by sight. Because, uh, uh, you know, David mentioned being into kind of yearning right, for God, longing for God. Um, so it, it's hard to kind of, you know, there's no formula for that. I think it's kind of not brute force, but some of this is just kind of, you, you, you never get to it until you try it, right? You can't be persuaded by words or by people, I don't think. It has to come from almost a disgust or kind of a such a disappointment with the world that you look to God and he responds. Um, and so, so that's how I look at especially um, verses um, six. Six and six and eight. So as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So if I'm comfortable in my body, my earthly tent, my uh, what is seen, my outward, whatever, my, my outward brilliance, what I shine, you know, my health, I'm away from the Lord. That's, that's how I read that. And, you know, again, going back to Matt's example of the student, right? If, if, if I'm satisfied, if I love, you know, this, this body, this earthly tent, this, this life, um, it's, it's going to be a, a big, big jump to, um, be close to God, right? And then contrary to that would be, I would pr prefer to be away from, verse eight, prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, right? So this preference that Paul mentions, being almost a thirst, being a need, like this gnawing ache within me, right? That I just want to leave this body behind, 
and one day you know be in in direct the direct presence of god right see this eternal glory um to no longer have to struggle with my sinful nature to um whatever joe was saying about <laughs> heaven's glories to listen to god forever and ever uh that i don't know that 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 to be caught up in it to be consumed uh by it to be yeah enraptured um that's what i think paul is saying right it's almost a like a inverse relationship the more we love our bodies the less we're going to what i mean by body is this this earthly life the less we're going to really want or pursue or look forward to live for uh, the heavenly realm and the more we um see the body for it what it is right good in some sense but with a lot of baggage and and we're able to kind of um discern um have the the ability to uh steward and use and and properly manage that and to save our real energies and our real interests and our real passion for you know being with the lord pleasing him serving him doing that which is he try i feel like that will develop that kind of i don't know this thing like an inner eye sometimes it's you know people use that almost new age-ish but you know the outer sight versus kind of inner insight um maybe that kind of dynamic um a lot of us are very we have all the outward attributes very keenly developed but we're dull inside spiritually whereas you know paul says outwardly i'm wasting away i'm just a jar of clay and my, my tent is torn up and it's about to collapse and you know i just want to be done with it but you can tell this guy's inside is like he's he's like a like i don't know like if we use a, a um athlete example like he's like a olympic decathlete he's like at the peak condition right? his inward strength and power and faith and obedience and intimacy with god and bar, you know a second to none kind of kind of thing right? um so anyway that's how i was thinking about uh this how do we live by faith not by sight at least for me that's how i kind of want to try to uh, strengthen it or enhance it um, let's finish with uh, thoughts about verse 10 right for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that each one of us that each one may receive what is due him or her for the things done while in the body whether good or bad so this is a kind of a, a it's a famous verse right and it's i think um we have to kind of 
um, clarify it. Um, and most interpreters or commentators will say that this is not about heaven and hell, right? Um, Paul is not talking about um, the judgment of whether a person has eternal life or eternal death. In Christ means that uh, our eternal penalty, uh, eternal death has been atoned for or forgiven, right? paid for. Um, but as Christians, as servants of God, we have to be, we will be held accountable for our actions, for our thoughts, right? Uh, so this is in terms of pleasing God or reward from God or um, answering for the stewardship of life or gifts or um, calling that, that God gave us. Um, so um, I want to hear from you guys again. Why does Paul throw this in here now? Or maybe, yeah, why did, that, that's kind of a textual question. And then how do you, does this verse bring anyone joy? <laughs> or is it like, dang, Paul's like uh, kind of uh, 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 splashing cold water on us. Um, I don't know, what, 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 what kind of reaction um, do you get? Uh, what was it? I think it was from the move from the, the show The Office. Like somebody was like, I think it was Dwight Schrute. <laughs> Sorry if you guys don't know the uh, the the, uh, the TV show, but he says like he loves like um, what do they call it when you have your annual evaluation? He he says he loves it when people evaluate his work because he thinks he's such a good <laughs> salesman or something like that. Maybe you feel like that. You're such a great <laughs> follower of Christ. You're looking forward to the Bema. They call this the Bema. Uh, Bema seat, Bema judgment, which is, uh, it was a, a place um, uh, where in, 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 in Corinth, I think, where um, uh, like a, a judge would sit and cases would be brought, disputes would be brought before them. But they called this the Bema judgment versus the white throne judgment, which is in Revelation. And that one is heaven or hell. This one is faithfulness or unfaithfulness. So, yeah. Give me your uh, thinking here on verse 10. Well, I'm not sure um, anybody can approach the judgment seat of Christ and have that kind of attitude, Pastor Daniel. But um, I always think that um, at that time, like the things that I might have, kind of like that, uh, what is it, the, the news, news wheel of your, your life, and the things will be shown before me. And, and the things that I thought was insignificant was very significant. And the things that I thought was very significant turned out to be very insignificant. And um, I don't know, I, I, I feel like um, everybody has to go through that or I have to go through that so that God can reconcile that, like show you, okay, this is your life, Joe. This is, you know, how you lived it. And then, but still, you know, because of Jesus and his grace, you get to enter kind of thing. And uh, anyways, 
Okay. Well, I mean, that certainly, you know, is you can enter either way, right? But right. it almost sounds like, right, that there is going to be, uh, it's not all going to be positive, right? Not only is there going to be explanation, as I think you're saying, right? But there's also maybe some, some tough words. I don't know. Uh, and and, and are, are you ready? Do you think that's what it says? And, and are you ready for it? Um, well, I, I can't. I can't imagine there not being tough words. Um, well, okay, for myself, I can't imagine there not being tough words for myself. But at the same time, um, it's almost an assurance that it's kind of like uh, you did, you know, like I said, the things that are in I thought were so significant, whatever, whatever, right? But um, but there's also this assurance that um, that this conversation, I, I find it's almost like a conversation This before the judgment seat, but it's more like a conversation for me and where Jesus will tell me all this or, uh, and then um, it's like, but still Joe, uh, just affirming of how much I love you. And yeah, mm. it's, it's kind of like, like, you know, like the final hurdle, I, I, not the final hurdle. It's not like, I could do anything to prepare for this purple, but it's almost like, all right, it's almost like a conclusion of my earthly life and entering my heavenly one. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I, I hear the grace in your life, in your, in your words, and I think grace certainly uh, is, is, is present there. But maybe it's kind of like Harry Potter, you know, at, at the end when Dumbledore always kind of Harry does good and bad, right? And they may talk about it. And, and then Dumbledore explains all the things that happened that Harry didn't know. And, you know, uh, it's kind of a good, each of the books have a really good ending, right? Because, um, you know, Harry is a good guy, but he's also makes some, some mistakes, right? I don't know if, if that's, that's a workable analogy, but I'm glad you, you came out on that. Question, Joe, is this a public experience or is it just you and you and Jesus? Oh, it's a very private one in my mind. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, why does anybody else need to? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I struggle with that. Okay, others. Thank you, Joe, for starting us off on that. I have this kind of more like a parable of the talents kind of thing, you know, and uh, and the reward for like you know, making two talents, two more talents, you know, is not just that you keep, get to keep the two talents, but you get to run two cities. Or the five talents, you get to run five cities. And, um, um, you know, I, of course, that's, you know, on the good side, like the things that we've done in the body, kind of the things that, you know, I've been faithful for. And, you know, I mean, we talk about salvation a lot and i think passionate you alluded to this right the reward right that we may get well we, i think we will get other heavenly rewards apart from our salvation you know not to say that you know there are anything per se compared to salvation which is the greatest thing but you know perhaps there will be other rewards there that you know we can't even begin to imagine right mm. and um you know what I think? What is it? 
yesterday or the day before, I was hearing a conversation at work and people kind of were talking about like, oh, you only have one life to live and so forth. Right? And you know, as I was just kind of listening to them, I was kind of thinking about this. And, um, you know, and the point is always like, oh, don't kill yourself, make the most of your time, you know, on earth and, you know, eat healthy or whatnot. And, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with those things, but, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking, well, yeah, we only have one life and uh, the part on earth is just the beginning. And, um, you know, but it's important because what we do on earth decides how the rest of it is going to turn out. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I enjoy. Helpful. Helpful. I, I actually, I actually kind of cons think about this conversation as kind of one of those like moments in life that makes me like you know really shocked at the metrics that Jesus is going to use to kind of evaluate me. Probably some of the things that I didn't even know mattered, you know, mattered in a good way. Right? And some some things that didn't matter that actually mattered in a bad way that I'm not even aware of mm -hmm. that I will be just very embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. But you know, but but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be both, right? I, I think so, right? right. But, um, yeah. How do you how do you you mentioned the talents uh, parable, which I think is. I, I do think in, of that as well. But what about the guy who didn't do anything with his talent? And he's, he's relegated to the darkness and the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So does that work its way into chapter 5, verse 10? Yeah, I think so. I think, but more than anything, I think it's the mindset. It's the mindset that you're a hard man. Right, that's that's what ultimately ruined his life, right? And um, and well, I, I would say I feel different now. You know, I used to think that way actually. You know, I, and I think by the grace of God, I may be thinking a little less that way. And um, to and you know to to focus that it's not not the outcome, really, right? Like what I do, it's not so much the outcome, because Jesus is going to manage the outcome. It's just you know, you trust. You know, do you take step out in faith? Do you listen right, to you know what Jesus is tell, telling me? Do I listen? Do I step out? Do I love? You know, do I give somebody a cup of water when they need a cup of water? You know, do I obey? That's it. Good, good. I, I think I'm gonna end up when I fin I'm gonna when I wrap up, I'll probably I think say a similar thing with what you just said, right? The, okay, good. Uh, other um uh kind of uh, uh reflections, I guess, on this verse and why it shows up in this passage. I mean, I think if I were Paul, I would have different attitude about this 
sort of event, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I personally, you know, at least in the way that I kind of understand it at face value, don't sort of relish the idea of what this would be like. Uh, if our Paul, I think maybe for him, he may be looking forward to sort of being vindicated on some level for, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's what he has in mind, but um, but the other, you know, like I, I do think about the talents, like like uh, David was saying, but the other verses, I, I had to look it up, but it was like in 1 Corinthians 3, right, where he's talking about like laying a foundation as an ex, uh, like an expert builder and then um, I think the part that always stuck in my mind is that like if somebody, you know, that the foundation, like the nature of the foundation will be revealed through uh, whether it it, it uh, survives through the fire on the day, right? And it's going to reveal the quality of each man's work. Um, and then it's that in that verse 15, right? It says like, if it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flame. So like that, that verse kind of, sticks in my mind just that like that uh, about what that negative kind of aspect could be like I guess that it's yeah that there is something where we're held to account or we kind of it, it's revealed um you know the nature of the work that we did uh in our lifetime and uh it doesn't necessarily maybe it doesn't necessarily disqualify us from you know our salvation but uh it's it's really i don't know it seems to suggest that there are some of us who will get by the skin of our teeth i guess and so it just sort of that that's a little bit unsettling oh sorry you're muted pastin that is a relevant verse because um you know if it's part of the, the Corinthian corpus as well, right? That he's talking to the same group of people. Um, okay. Other, those who haven't shared maybe so far today, or if you already shared previously, go ahead again. I think it, I have a more question rather than kind of sharing in a sense. Uh, I think Paul's kind of wording here is that, uh, um, you know, before the judgment um, seat, right? So of Christ, you know, for um, so, you know, for the things done well in a body, I think it's something in my mind is, uh, what about those kind of things that we could have done and but we didn't do? Um, yeah, so. I feel like it, you know, because in a sense, I feel like it, my understanding of this, this judgment is not a really judgment, like a, you're good or you're bad. It's more like a assessment of, a, you know, kind of, I think I, I kind of agree with the kind of Joe, in a sense, like a assessment, like as a, as a friend, it talks through. But I think when you kind of go through that kind of history of your life, uh, like autobiography, you, sometimes you talk about your regrets, for example, like, you know, yeah, I guess like probably there's something that it, you know, we could have done, but we didn't do things like that. So, yeah, I, I think um, that's part of the that will be part of you know you guys call it conversation. It says judgment seat, so I'm not sure I want to beautify it to a conversation. It may feel like a conversation, but it says judgment seat, right? Um, 
and but I, I think it will include um, whatever commission and omission, right? Uh, both what we did and whether that was glorifying to God or not, and what we didn't do, but we should have done. Right? Or maybe what we could have done but didn't do, right? I think there, that, that will also factor in. I think it's going to be pretty comprehensive. Knowing God, it'll be pretty comprehensive. Well, I figure this is something that all of us have to kind of process. It's not something to just kind of say, oh, I don't understand it. I, I won't really uh, worry about it. And uh, I think um, to... To try to, um, how should I say it? In our effort to make this a plus experience, something in my favor, I think that in and of itself misses the point, right? Um, to try to imagine or maybe uh, orient yourself or, or aspire to... Um, a life or I mean uh, aspire to a judgment experience that is like good for you or makes you look good you know not, not that you know Paul was doing that or any of us would do that but somehow I feel like that misses the point that I actually find it very helpful that uh, he does it in this context so verse you know eight and nine right or, or uh, verse nine especially kind of governs for me uh, how I want to like think about this first. I don't know how what the the details or the the dynamics of it will be. I don't know if it will be a conversation. I don't know if it will be public or personal. I don't know if it's going to take you know five minutes or five five thousand years. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what. I don't want to think about those things. But. Um, I think the only way to live through this verse is to make verse nine the governing verse, right? To um, think of the judgment seat in terms of living a life to please God, right? Uh, I don't know if that means like some of the stuff that Joe and Hanfei refer to or if it's more you know, the, the, the one talent guy in the parable of the talents. But um, uh, I guess what, what I was agreeing with Dave about uh, the process uh, or the, what I learn about the Lord, this is part of my learning curve with God as opposed to pure outcome. Right, you know, the outcome is really going to be in Jesus's hands, and I'm hoping the outcome is not too painful, but it might be. But if I know the Lord, I'll be okay with it. Right, if I live my life really to please Him, then you know, even if you know, there were things that, like, hey, I didn't get at all, um. I'm going to be okay with it. And even if like, it's, it's not what I imagined or 
you know, I could never have, you know, figured out or even if I feel like, let me say this tongue in cheek, like even if I got the raw end of the, of the deal, like short end of the stick, if I really, really wanted to, and I really, you know, put all my jets on to try to please God, um, I, I think, you know, this will be, um, this will be uh, something that I uh, will embrace and cherish, and it'll be something that uh, Jesus, part of my relationship with him. Um, and also to be sober about it, to be very intentional, to even be drastic. I think those can all play into like the choices I make, the decisions I um, pursue, um, you know, how I live my life. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm lax. It doesn't mean I'm kind of, uh, what, what, what's the term that I'm, you know, authority, uh, you know, a disciplinarian um, necessarily, right? It doesn't pigeonhole me into any of those things, but it does bring me under the Lordship of Christ. And um, that's why I feel like in order to not be, uh, I, my, my, my recipe or my, my, uh, the, the way that I avoid surprises or like shock uh, is to, you know, love my God, right? Is to know Jesus now um, to, like I said, um, be less enamored by this world and be more attracted to uh to god's world to 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 the eternal to eternal life so um who knows what it's exactly going to be like but i hope that the uh relationship with jesus that i've hopefully developed and purified and grown uh, will make it you know uh, just you know, like our experience of Christ right sometimes when I'm with the Lord I feel like I don't know that I'm like he's a rocket ship and I'm just like you know on his shoulders right there's this just like sense of flying and 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 pure ecstasy and joy and power and like you know, there's, there's nothing stopping, you know, there's nothing that can stop. And, you know, sometimes when I'm with Jesus, he's like, no, he's, he's, he's like, um, he's pinned me down and he won't let me go until I, I confess or, you know, I, I, I make amends or I, I, I change something that I know doesn't please him. So, you know, even before we get to the judgment seat, you know, he holds us accountable, right? And he praises us and blesses us and graces us and like that. So I think a life, long-winded way to say it, a life lived, hopefully, I want to live a life that has a lot of those, you know, many, uh, many accountability sessions with the Lord so that when the big one comes, um, it'll be of the, 
it'll be very uh, hopefully similar to how I've walked with. I'm sure there, there'll be differences, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Okay, thank you for all of your hard listening and hard thinking and great sharing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we take Paul at his word, which is your word to us, um, we want to think about the life we live in this tent and the life uh, or the perspective of life that we will live uh, in the heavenly building. Uh, we want to think about what makes us lose heart and what gives us heart a new heart. We want to think about how to please you and uh, how to uh, do the, the works and the purposes that you have uh, prepared for us. Help us to uh, live a life that's pleasing and glorifying uh, to you. Make this true for each one of us and for our families and for our community of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.